And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight... It's my good friend, Nate Tyson. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very, very well. We're live in person, not on Radio Row, at the actual Super Bowl with a wide open stands behind us. And we got, okay, we, and, and we got the go-ahead to do a show right now uh, <laughs> after we just got told as the countdown's happened that we might have to move. So here we go. So no, the show's doing great. I am doing fantastic. It was a wonderful game, an interesting game, but also an interesting experience as we sat here waiting to do the show because I saw a lady pushing a cart that we, you, you and I are still trying to figure out what was that about. Because the the post-game Super Bowl chaos is always great. We saw a woman in a strange hat pushing a cart. It made no sense. We, we caught, just saw like Chris Jones' mom. Yes, Chris Jones. Very nice. Yes. Uh, her whole, the whole family is very nice. No, the cart was just, it was a unique cart situation. But another one I saw, I saw a drunken uh, Chiefs fan going from vendor to vendor as they're trying to close up. And bribing them with over a thousand dollars trying to buy beer. <laughs> Went to three spots as I'm following him because I'm going to the bathroom. Famously, you can't buy beer after like nine p.m. Yep. in Vegas. So if he goes anywhere else, anywhere it's gonna be really hard for and him to get a super drink. Expensive. Might as well just do it in the casino. Maybe if you gamble a little bit, you can get for free. But that was what I was waiting to say because I saw that <laughs> and I followed him. So I'm going to the bathroom. There's three in a row. He went. It was like two hundred. 500 third one he won a thousand didn't get it but yeah very very uh interesting super bowl here in vegas it was awesome the super bowl in vegas had two inevitabilities one a lot of people being very drunk and doing yep. silly things yep. two patrick mahomes showing up like he did in the biggest moments of course the chiefs win this game 25 to 22 in overtime and it almost felt kind of like the Chiefs' season in the sense that we had some frustrating moments you know the uh, mvs had the play where he ran backwards Guys weren't getting open earlier in the game. Mahomes seemed to be running for his life. The offense was uneven. The running game wasn't good the entire game. They had a 27% success rate on running back runs. So it felt like that old Chiefs team, the Chiefs team that we had seen for the entire season, had come back in the Super Bowl. And then as the game goes on, as the adjustments happen, again, they somehow find a way on the final drive of the fourth quarter and the final drive of overtime. And now this guy has three Super Bowl wins in four trips in his first six seasons, three Super Bowl MVPs, two guys ever have won at least three. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and now Patrick Mahomes. And the company he now keeps among those guys feels right. Yeah. And it was before 30 again. Just He's 28 years old. Yeah, 28. That's all 20. I tweeted after the game. He's only 28 only years 28. old. Only uh, 28. I think, how many times you sat next to me and uh, Vic sat on the other side of me? I don't know how many times I said, this is the dumbest good team I've ever seen <laughs> about the Chiefs. <laughs> the drop by uh, Pacheco on the toss play to start the second Oh, half. my God. I hadn't gotten back to my seat yet. Yeah. I saw it as I was walking back. I was like, you have to be kidding me. Because I think what you they said, you're so like, second and 12? You were like, second and 15 or They had so right? many negative plays. Yep. on first and 10 to start drives especially early in the yep. game it just felt like they were putting themselves consistently at a disadvantage way too often and, and this is the same team as frustrating as that offense is and at times sometimes you know you got some gashes on the defensive side i know we'll get to that then you have aaron Schatz, uh formerly football stars now with ftn tweeting the chiefs went through the toughest postseason ever in terms of dvoa 
that's what that team did. And so it's like, yeah. maybe that's why I looked a little sloggy because they're going through a tough schedule. But the fact that they can do this with Mahomes and figure it out, you could feel it in the moment. I know probably see it on TV, but even here on live, you could just feel when it went, the light bulb went on yeah. for Mahomes in this offense. It was just like, ah, again, he's inevitable. But sometimes it takes a quarter. Sometimes it takes a drive. This game, it felt. Middle of that third quarter, it's like, oh, here comes the Chiefs' offense because moms just start clicking everywhere. He's now fifteen and three in the playoffs, <laughs> and this was yeah, supposed. Yeah, wins as Manning already. I saw that fifteen tweet. and three in the playoffs, which is this yeah. was supposed to be the year where it didn't happen, especially when you watched what they felt like for huge chunks of the season. Yep. What was that big question? Can they do it on the road in the postseason? They've never had to do that before. Right. Well, all they did was win two road games, get here again, and I didn't know that DVOA stuff. But that makes perfect sense. Right. What they had to go through beating the two teams that had been the best teams in the NFL all season in Baltimore and San Francisco. And in the Ravens, one of the best teams DVOA had ever measured. And the Niners had one of the best offenses that DVOA had ever measured. And it still doesn't matter. It's in the at the end of the day, at the end of the game, he still came through in those big moments. And I can't imagine I am a fan of an NFL team, but being a fan of a contending NFL team, being a fan of the Niners or the Ravens or the Bills and knowing that he's just going to be there forever. (laughs) <laughs> be there until your the, your team probably falls apart. Yeah, that is a truly terrible reality that is facing so many franchises right until now. he gets bored. Yeah, you know, again, you got Kelsey got held to what one catch in the first half? one catch for one yard in the first the half. run game wasn't getting going. They're making mistakes, punching themselves over and over. One huge play where Mahomes throws one of the prettier passes I've seen in person. It was a wobbler, but it was a, as far as the arc of that pass, that deep ball that he had to uh, Hardman that came right towards us. What a bizarre play when it happened. We didn't really know what to make of it because yeah. Gibson was in position right to there. break that ball up and he just never it. caught it. He never caught it in the air. And the f- next play, Pacheco fumbles. And I was just like, oh my God. Well, and both then, teams had a fumble inside the 10. It almost was good because it just evens each other out. And I don't have to worry about like, oh, what, well, if they didn't fumble inside right. the 10 because both teams did, they just erased each other. And everyone's, everyone wanted to take a turn fumbling a punt. You know, they saw <laughs> I thought that was the cool thing to do in Las Vegas, so might as well just try that. And then you got guys making plays. That's what's so funny. We're like, okay, Mahomes. Of course, it's Mahomes. Then you got Juwan. It's like the Juwan Jennings, Miko Hardman, Mike Pinnell, Leo Chanel, Javon Kinlaw, Jair Brown. These yeah. are the names I was writing out throughout this game. And now in my usual hipster, I got to throw out the third receiver <laughs> blocking guy, anything like that. These were the guys making plays. So it's so funny in a Super Bowl that has all these stars. The brightest star, of course, shines in the end, and Kelsey, especially in the second half. But all these quote unquote role players had big moments. And of course, it's like, really? That's, of course, this is that, this is what this game's going to unfold. The one with Taylor Swift added, the one with Kelsey, <laughs> the one with Chris Jones. We're going to be talking about Mike Pinnell because it's a 16 13 finish. Thankfully, Patrick Mahomes saved us. Saved us. Let's go that. through some of those moments yeah. down the back half. The final drive in overtime, they have that fourth and one yeah. where they run the RPO with Kelsey coming across. Mahomes keeps it. Yep. It's a great play call. Yes. That play specifically, that fourth and one, knowing they had to go for it raises a pretty interesting conversation about the overtime rules. Yes. Because it's the first time we've had to face this situation where a coach had to decide after winning the toss, do I want the ball or do I want to kick it? Mm -hmm. The Niners decided they wanted the ball first because, as Kyle Shanahan said after the game, I wanted, if there was a third possession, to have it with sudden death. Sam Schwartzstein, one of our buddies from Amazon, who is a rules nerd. That's like what he does. He was tweeting about this. after my own heart. (laughs) These are the decisions that you have to make. Do you want the information... Or do you want the sudden death advantage? And because the Chiefs had the information, they knew to go for it on that fourth down where the Niners did not go for it on their fourth and medium right. on their overtime possession. So that we'll have, I'm sure we'll have that conversation and replay that a thousand times. But that fourth and one happens because it's a good play call. It also happens because the Chiefs knew they had to go for it. Yep. Also on that overtime drive, 
The third and sixth completion to Rasheed Rice against that cover zero look. Yep. Niners go twice in the second half to cover zero on clutch downs. There was the third down to McKinnon mm-hmm. on the final drive in the fourth quarter for the Chiefs where Mahomes checked into it. Mm-hmm. So it's cover zero twice. Mahomes beats it twice. And then you have that huge scramble to get down inside in the red zone, put them in a position to finish the game off, and they do. And the other uh, uh, time they caught them, it was uh, the two-minute drive at the first half. I just thought of this. Uh, remember they – they hit Rice on back-to-back plays. Yeah. One of those – remember, we were laughing because, like, Oren Burks like, couldn't get lined up. Yeah, And yeah, there was yeah. another blitz look, too. It's because uh, they, they went to the blitz look, and then I think they followed it up with a tempo look, something of that sort. But, again, they like, couldn't get lined up. But, yeah, those blitz looks were – they were trying to change it up. This 49ers defense several times did several things. Again, we'll get more into that in a sec. Changed – the first play, they ran a 3-4 front. And I tweeted out, I got made fun of, and someone said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to share at a dinner party, Nate. <laughs> I'm going to share that they the 4-3 base personnel 49ers ran a 3-4 in that first play. Yeah, that's going to really earn me some accolades in the, at those parties. But that second half showed, or in that overtime drive especially, you talked about the OT, or I'm sorry, the RPO play that Mahomes keeps. And that's the adjustment that Andy Reid and Mahomes made was Nick Bosa was crashing the F down yeah. on everything from the backside. It's what he does. He's super aggressive. He's athletic enough to sometimes adjust it's not this is one of the things when you guys when you're a freak you can do these things you can break rules just like Mahomes can so the Chiefs what they did twice ran those RPOs the big run that Mahomes had and then of course that huge fourth and one there was the, the other play I wanted to point out talking about just like the plays they're making in high leverage moments third and seven on the final drive of the fourth quarter Mahomes hits Kelsey yeah. on that third and seven crosser and that play I think really encapsulates the game in a lot of yep. ways Warner is on Kelsey in man coverage on that play. Mm-hmm. They run a little mesh concept. Warner gets picked. He's open. Huge completion. Huge. They go down and score. But that we were wondering coming into the game. All right. If the Niners are just going to come out, play even fronts, and play a ton of zone, we think this version of the Chiefs offense, what they've shown in the playoffs, is going to pick them apart. Yep. We were wondering all week, what's the adjustment going to be? What's the adjustment going to be? And you noticed it, I don't know, Probably halfway through the second quarter, yep. like this is exactly what they're doing. What did you see, and how did that? How did it apply to that third and seven completion to Kelsey? Uh, having some deja vu uh, from the Bucks Super Bowl when they when they beat the Chiefs. It was any time that the Chiefs isolated Travis Kelsey and used him as a lone receiver, an X receiver. They do this all the time. This is he is one of the best true X receivers, even though he's a tight end. I was curious. Okay, the Four Niners like to run man coverage. They ran man coverage at an above average rate on passing downs. Who are you going to man up with Kelsey? So what the 49ers did was they put walked Warner onto him and then had a safety run one double. Usually when a team runs one double, it's a corner and a safety. Yeah. The 49ers are like, no, we're going to have Fred Warner do it because he's physical. And this is exactly what the Bucs did a few years ago in the Super Bowl. They did two man. But this, this version, what the 49ers did, was one robber, one double, however you want to put it. But there's several adjustments off it. And this was... It was great because the 49ers had changeups off of it. They ran a straight cover two off yeah, of it. Multiple times in the they flat. just dropped into zone. And that it was a really actually a very good defensive game plan. It was great. Like, what is the curveball going to be? And because it wasn't just those one double looks, they there was a cover two off of it. Yep. I think they probably dropped into zone with him lined up that way it. at least three or four yes. times. Yes. So I think that the plan they had was actually pretty sound, but this then, is what Mahomes and Reed do. Over the just, course of the game, they slowly start yeah. to figure it out, and they started to come up with answers down the back half of the it, game. It was that, that last drive, yeah. So the adjustment was, okay, when you're running the one double stuff, the best thing to do is create muck. Let them run away. Yeah. You're not going to win against bracketing on a traditional route unless it's kind of out of structure. So that crossing route was a great example of it. Then on the final play of regulation, uh, uh, yeah, final play of regulation, uh, they run, they show that same exact loop, same exact shell, 
run to cover two. Warner gets physical with them, and, counts, and they don't get the back shoulder fade. Then in OT, with the Chiefs finally, this is the thing. Andy Reid has seen every look possible. They didn't, Kyle Shanahan a little bit too, but Andy Reid has. So what he started doing was motioning a running back out to empty. That creates Kelsey in the slot. Mm-hmm. But this actually spoke to what the, the 49ers, knowing that that's their game plan, they're like, oh, they had a check for that. And then the Chiefs proceeded to nickel and dime and hit a nice route. They had an answer to that. So fun little chess match on passing downs that got really leaned into, really cranked up in the second half. It was cool to see the, the Chiefs in real time during drives find different answers. And there was the third and 10 to Kelsey with about 10 minutes left in the game. And that was a play where the Chiefs, I think, put they had a shift and then a motion. And the Niners had trouble lining yeah. up. So, again, it was like, okay, if you're going to play these sorts of looks on third down where you, the one double looks and we have to worry about yeah. the man coverage you're going to play a lot of moving parts yes where's the guy lining up is he in the slot is he outside so that was those were the adjustments the chiefs were making it's like let's yeah. just make it a little bit less static for them in those looks so they have to move as we're lining up it's and also it's not it's a not untraditional look it's not a crazy coverage but it's an untraditional look a linebacker and a safety on the tight end yes to me trying to find an answer as a quarterback i have to really rack my brain okay so how does that play out like and that's what Mahomes was trying to figure it out. He's like, okay, so what is my answer other than somebody else has to win? But I want to get Travis Kelsey the ball. So that's what they're trying to figure out. And honestly, as that game was going, I think if the 49ers won this game, if they won by that field goal, Fred Warner had a Super Bowl MVP-type performance this game. I thought he was fan-freaking-tastic. Not just the Kelsey stuff, the sack at the end of the first half, Warner collisions, uh, uh, Justin Watson – Mucks up the whole mesh route. The sack, yeah, yeah. He didn't get the sack. No, no, he no. Caused the he sack caused at the, the end sack. of the first half. He, he mucks yes. up Watson. So because they're running another mesh concept, there's a lot of mesh type concepts from the Chiefs that creates it all mucky in the middle. Then Mahomes has a double clutch. He ends up taking the sack, but over and over he was running down screens. He saved one on Pacheco. That was huge. But he had a phenomenal game. It's just that you're going against Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes. They usually are going to find an answer. One of the other things we were worried about with the Niners is what is their run game, run defense going to look like? They were really struggling mm-hmm. against the run, especially in the playoffs, and teams really had some answers against them. The Lions and the Packers did, and they were fantastic against the run. They're great. 19 running back runs for 59 yards. Mentioned it, 27% success rate. I was a little bit surprised that we didn't see more perimeter runs from the Chiefs yes. because I think they ran three of them yes. over the course of the entire game. One of them was the fumble, yes. and I think that might have scared them off a little so too. bit. But and the first play was a TFL. Yeah. So it's TFL fumble, so they're probably like, uh, are we going to really go for the whole but then shebang? They two of them. It and was funny yes. because I had, I said, literally said it. Yes. I said to you when we were sitting there, I was like, I'm surprised we haven't seen more perimeter runs. And then it was I think the second to last drive. Yeah. They hit one for like a nine yard gain yes. to get down inside the 10 yeah. when they ended up kicking that field goal. Yes. So the Niners did a great job there. But again, just little tiny ideas that end up becoming important after the, fum- the fumbled punt. Beautiful play design on the MVS touchdown. So MVS is lined up as the number one receiver. Kelsey's in the slot. They run a little switch release, and there's nothing that the Niners can do in that moment. Oren Burks is put in a really, really tough bind, and he's just not getting the depth he needs to on that MVS touchdown. We both said it in the moment. It's like, you're just beat there. It's just a great play design. It's just a great call. Yep, it was a switch verts, and really, again, this comes down to details, and again, it's I know what you know kind of thing, is MVS uh, takes an insider release because uh, it is a switch verts. And on that, the corner, Traverius Ward, is dropping off because he, okay, if he's going inside, somebody's going to replace him on the outside. Sure enough, he caught Kelsey. Yep. He did what he was supposed to do. And the safety but, flew to the flat. And the safety flew to the flat. But the thing was, there was a motion, a shift and then a motion right before the snap. Oren Burks, backup linebacker, in there in sub-personnel now. Not Dre Greenlaw. Yep. He just gets caught. He just gets caught. First play, qu- uh, quick turnaround, quick change. And sure enough, he just gets caught. He's supposed to kind of fall off. But because of that stuff, because of the bump and then shifting, it changes the number count. This is what they do. If you just have that – we talk about the Shannoscope. 
Reed does this as well. If you have yeah. that slight hesitation, one guy's slow, one guy's stop, there's a wide open touchdown and that helps him take the lead and gets the win. Talking about all those tweaks and just again that Andy Reed being a part of the Chiefs always finding a way in these moments. This is a huge moment for him. Yeah. Three Super Bowl wins now. Yep. Five coaches ever have three Super Bowl wins. Five coaches all time. He's one of them. I mean, wow. this is, he is, I think, definitively the second best coach of his generation. Yes. If you look back, I mean, yes. he took the job in Philly right around the time that 90, Bill Belichick got hired. 98, 99. 98, 99. Yeah. So they, that, their 10 years almost completely yeah. overlap. Yeah. And now it's him, Belichick and him, and I think a pretty big gap. And yeah. I, now the question is going to be not how much of a gap is there between him and the rest of the field. It's what is the gap going to look like between him and Belichick when it's all said and done? Right. And now Mahomes is chasing Brady. And Belichick is there. Brady is chasing Belichick. They might just go, hey, let's do this together. Yeah. We got this for the next decade. Let's try and push it. And I, everyone that I talk to this week that covers the Chiefs or knows the Chiefs, all the stuff, the Andy Reid retirement rumors, and everyone was like, no, yeah. he's not slowing down. Like he wants to keep doing this. I think he understands what sort of opportunity they have. True. And it doesn't sound like this is even something that's even crossed their mind with him and even as he's getting into his 60s here i don't know if you ever played crafts but yes you have we played once together but we did, was, yeah. not this week but years ago but when you play crafts sometimes you just like you might have a number and you're not rolling the, not rolling that point but you just keeping all hit on all the other numbers that's what the chiefs feel like they hit mahomes and then they're just like let's just keep rolling <laughs> we're not crapping out yeah let's just keep this going what's what's that oh we got let's give another yeah i'm gonna put another uh five dollars on Kadarius tony there oh whatever that would that didn't win but everything else is winning right now but why wouldn't you? And the tweaks that they're adding, even again, this is quote unquote the down year, still a top six <laughs> offense throughout the year, and they won another freaking Super Bowl. Uh, it's just, why wouldn't you? I would just keep doing this because the vibes just seem immaculate right now. Keep stacking up Chiefs legacy talk. Kelsey has one catch for one yard in the first half. He finishes with nine catches for 93. And not only the production and not only him being the answer in the biggest moments of mm -hmm. this game, I think it's so telling that the Niners' main tweak their main little adjustment was Kelsey focused. Yeah. He's still at this stage of his career is the number one thing that te yeah. teams are trying to stop when they think about the chiefs. And I just think that says so much about what sort of presence he is, what sort of gravity he still has, yeah. even at this age. Oh my God. Every motion though, you can just feel because yeah. it shifts. We, gravity is a great word. We usually talk about maybe with a three point shooter, but even here we talk about speed. Like Tiger Hill has got so much gravity. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, they run all this cloud coverage over there. But now when we see Kelsey with it, it's like a little motion coming in inside. Then you just see everybody shifting the safety, rotating down, all these types of things. But he's older. You know, he's our age and he's, he's getting it. Yeah, <laughs> he's older and older. And then he catches that crosser at the end of the half. And that was the fastest. I think this next gen stats that was the fastest he's gone in seven years. Yeah. And yeah. They, they did a great job of putting him in bubble wrap for a huge chunk of the season and making him ready for these moments. It was a very thoughtful bit of overall usage yes. for the first two thirds of the I season, even for the whole that. regular season. It must be nice to just get away with that when you can just kind of go, yeah, okay, now we're going to get into it. And oh, there was some tight end stuff. You know, I saw some Blake Bell lead blocks. I was like, all right, here come the tight end stuff. But then it was just like, well, there's the tight end. There's Travis Kelsey. There's him getting isolated in the slot again, getting screens. It's like, oh, yeah, same old game plan. Just give him the ball. Let him go. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. The Chiefs offense comes up big at the end of the game, but the Chiefs defense was excellent. Yes. And their plan, yes. the, the other side of the ball, Chiefs offense against the Niners defense, I don't think we really hit that. You know, there were a lot of elements to it that were hard to predict. Yep. We didn't know how it was necessarily going to go. I thought the Chiefs offense had a harder time than I maybe anticipated coming into the game yeah. because of, one, the pass rush. The pass rush was really good yes. for the Niners early in the game. Yes. It slowed down, so I think that ended up becoming important. But two, I just think that the Niners defense was playing with their hair on fire. Yep. The other side of the ball, though, the Chiefs defense against the Niners offense, this is what we expected. Yeah. They exactly. loaded up against the run yep. on early downs, and they said when we get into passing downs, we are going to bring a lot of heat, yep. and that's exactly what went down. 31 carries for 110 yards for the Niners, okay? Okay. Negative .33 EPA per rush. That's a great starting point if you're going to beat yes. this team. Yes. Three and a half yards per carry with a guy with Christian McCaffrey on the field is huge. They get them into third down, three of 12 for the Niners on third down. That's how you have to do it. It was exactly how you want to play this team. Yep. The one adjustment, though, we knew they were going to bring heat, yeah. but this is a team that even when they blitz – it's a lot of zone behind the mm-hmm. blitzes. And it felt like, I don't have the numbers on it, I'm sure we'll see it over the next couple of days. Anecdotally, it felt like there was more man behind the blitzes. And that's why all those in-breakers to Debo, all, yep. there were so many contested throws in this game. Debo got 11 targets. He had three catches because McDuffie was gloving him up every single time they tried to go to him in a late down. They were so, McDuffie was fantastic. He tonight. was incredible. Yes, they were physical. I... Watching the back that Dolphins game in Germany in week nine and seeing how physical the outside corners were with the Chiefs, they saw a lot of that tonight. That's base downs. That's first and second down. That's when they were running it. More cover two, more cloud looks, more lock coverages. But what, like you said, when you got the passing downs, those more man situations, um, Debo got targeted 11 times, which was great process for my props, by the way. <laughs> Only ended up with three catches, and it was because McDuffie was swarming them, yeah. or DB was swarming them every time. The, the amount of tight windows they had to throw the ball into the entire game, and it's why it was a Juwan Jennings game. Because oh, yes. he comes up so big yep. on third downs. He's so when, good. When he's, he ran great routes he's today. so good. He was really he made good some today. Money. He made some money today. But <laughs> it's still, it, he's a free agent, yeah. but 
that's still not the game you want to play. No, no. When you're having to hit all those tight window throws, that's what this Chiefs team did all year. Sneed, yes. McDuffie, that, that combination has been phenomenal, and yeah. they showed up in the biggest moments when that when they were needed most. All, for the, sure. all the DBs. They they made it they made the run game a slog, which I you know, some of those cloud coverages again they're turning back inside. Leo Chanel was fantastic in the run Leo game. Leo Chanel just, and Mike Pinnell. Mike Mike Pin- Mike Pinnell had a huge game. We kept going, is that 69 again? Is like, every single time it was like, is that him again? They're the ones that forced the fumble initially. I mean, I thought those two they really did though. Not just jokingly. Like, like I've never seen a defensive player take it to George Kittle in the run game. Yeah. And I, I'll probably I'm gonna watch it, but anecdotally, it was two or three plays I saw. There's Leah Chanel crushing Kittle in, pushing him back in, and not letting the runs get to the edge, and you're taking the 49ers out of their game. Now they're getting to I-formation I stuff. Okay, that's fine, but it's, it was wineback concepts. Remember I kept saying to you, I was like, man, they keep running this play, and I think it's 0 for 3. We saw those toss plays, and him, he's following check as he's winding back. So they're taking him out of their game. We're taking your fastball away. You you're, cannot get to but it. We're ta- you're taking your fastball away, though, but theoretically – they should be able to win yep. those matchups against the interior of the Chiefs defensive line. All of the non-Chris Jones players are re- players. <laughs> replacement level guys. Mike Pinnell's on the practice squad. Yeah, he 30, got called up. 33. He got called up in this game because and Joe Tooney got put on IR. Yeah. Like that's who we're talking yep. about here. So the game plan, like, all right, we saw teams gash them with yep. interior runs over the course of the playoffs. Let's do that. That it was guys stepping up and not allowing that's that a, to happen. I think that's why tackling. it was big. Yeah, more great tackling. I mean, that was that was throughout the night. They limited those yak opportunities and yards after contact opportunities. And I want to look at some of the front stuff, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself on it. But some of the fronts were interesting, where they were running a a quote unquote rush front, meaning two three techniques. The Chiefs were, but then having Chanel outside, so they were kind of they were daring them to run inside. Yeah. They were truly just pinching them. If you ever play Madden, they were doing like LB up. <laughs> spreading out that line, but then putting Chanel at the line of scrimmage. Usually when teams do that, they're, they're doing it under front. So it was just a little tweak, and I, I kind of watch, watch more of it, but again, that's facts. That's, yeah. It's just that funkiness. It's just another thing where you're like, as a team, you're like, okay, what's my answer? So they start running counter, but then you're taking again. That got limited as guys got blown up by Chris Jones and Carl Loftus because those are more boom-bust runs. And again, you're just, again, taking away the answers that they had naturally. Spags had a fantastic postseason. He had a fantastic season. Yeah. I think this is for a lot of the other guys on the Chiefs, for Mahomes, for Kelsey, for Andy Reid, they're stacking up the resume. Yeah. This yeah, is just yeah. adding on to what they already are and what they've already done. For Spags, I think that this is this season overall and what he did over the last few games has put him in a different stratosphere. It puts him in a different conversation for all time coordinators, all time coaches. I mean, what he has done, I said this after the Ravens game, and I, I truly do believe it. And I think that this game is another example of it. Getting Mahomes, the trade-up for Mahomes is the most important thing the Chiefs will have ever done. It's the most important thing the Andy Reid era did. Mm -hmm. But them going out and getting Steve Spagnuolo after the 2018 season and locking down that side of the ball and getting the most out of their defensive personnel all the way through. When they were built a different way, that was making sure, can we get to average? Can we get to 18th? But as they've retooled the building of the roster... And as they restocked the defense after the Tyreek Hill trade, this was about can we create an elite defense as currently constructed? It's young, it's cheap, but we invested in it. And that's what they did. They went from having a team, can we get to, let's get four or five high leverage stops a game, that'll be enough to, 
Can we be a team that dictates the game on defense? And that's exactly what happened this year. And that isn't possible if Steve Spagnuolo isn't the guy on that side of the ball. We used to call it uh, when we first started the show. We'd be like, oh, they're like a, a, a trap and run team in basketball. Yeah. OK, we score, 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 trap them. OK, we gave up an easy three, whatever. We're going to get it right back. Easy layup, all that. But then you watch this year and you see him. It's kind of his handpicked players or at least the players that were picked on like, OK, I'm going to use you here. Chanel is the greatest example of that because he's such a unique player. But that's an, you just have to credit Spag. Some of that stuff is smoke and mirrors, and that's what covered up some of the lesser players that he had before the Dan Sorensons of the world, because the guy gave him a mention once a month on the show. But then <laughs> watching it and everyone could go, well, of course, they hit on all these players right now. Spags highlights them. He gets their best out of them. Hey, LeJarrius Sneed, you can just be as physical as hell. LeJarrius Sneed went from a slot pressure guy to a outside ass kicking corner. And that's it starts with coaching. I mean, that helps in making these guys play confident. Those, that Shanahan offense runs so much shifting and motioning, and they do so much. I mean, as Spags does, they do so much of funky looks, and all those guys are communicating. There's several times I saw the DBs after a shift all signal the same thing at the same time, which means they knew what that look was. That that tells me, because that's what defense says. It's all responsive. So if you're in this formation, we're going to check into this. The Chiefs were all on the same page, no matter what the looks were. It was fantastic. Only thing that was getting them was when they motioned CMC to the slot. I realized that was popping their heads a little bit. I was waiting for more of it, but... They generated uh, nine unblocked pressures on blitzes today. And two of those unblocked pressures were game-changing plays. The one where McDuffie came unblocked on the third down to force the field goal, and then the one where Jones came unblocked to force the field goal. Those unblocked pressures changed the complexion of the game. Yep, yep. And Chris Jones had six six pressures today. What was our what was our number five? Yeah, it's uh, five. Can you have a guy who can create five pressures every he single game? Six. And him and Nick Bosa both. Bosa was a monster he for was. huge chunks of this game. Uh, if they had won, we would be talking a lot about the yes. impact that he had on the game. Jones and Jones had several near uh, near sacks and everything, but they they were constantly getting pressure. It felt like they were just taking turns on the interior, the right side, which we kind of figured. But that limits has a limitation on the offense. The 49ers were starting to bring keep seven in, yeah. or uh, George Kittle was having to full-time block a lot. And I think maybe some injuries with Kittle was part of that, too. It's eases load throughout the game, but blocking is pretty tough, too, so I don't know about that. But, again, you're taking away what they want to do. You're, you're dictating the game. You're yeah. holding the pen last. You remember, you, 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 I love that phrase that you've always used with it, and I think that's exactly what they did, even if this is usually a look where the offense get them. They found answers that worked talk about Legarius Sneed that that becomes my biggest question for the Chiefs this offseason he's a free agent so is Chris Jones yeah. I just Love assumed that, that Sneed would be gone that he would just be one of those guys yeah. that as you pay yeah, yeah. Kelsey, as you pay Mahomes guys, yep. as you you know you have some big money guys on the offensive line the way you pay Joe Tooney the way you pay Jawan Taylor this is just a guy that you have to lose yeah. you, know, you get a compensatory pick back the way he played though I almost feel like you have to bring him back all I, I don't man. I don't think that as you're currently constructed, the model of team that you have, the feel of team that you have, I think he's almost too valuable for you to let him go. Where's he at right now? Is he, he 28? He's 27. 27. So, And they have $24 million in cap space heading into next year. Okay. Mahomes has a massive roster bonus. Yeah. So he has a $35 million roster bonus this okay. year. I assume they will convert that yeah. to a signing bonus. So they'll get another $30 million in space. So theoretically, they will be able to bring some of these guys back if they want to. I would. <laughs> I know it's easy for me I'm, to I'm say. I'm telling you, he played at such an elite level this is that I feel like it's almost a no-brainer. If you had asked me before the season, which guy did they bring back, Chris Jones or LeJarrius Sneed? I don't think it would have even been a conversation. Yeah. Now, I, I kind of think it might have to be Sneed, and which he is crazy. And he's not even a blitz merchant where he only has to guard for two seconds. It's He was taking it to some of the best yeah. receivers. He got man coverage assignments on the guys this year. He was a true number one lockdown. We don't get that much anymore. No. 
And he he really could do that. Plus, again, I've mentioned this before from his prior years. He's a great blitzer. It works for the Spags defense well. He's extremely smart. You can just see that. It's very prevalent just how he, his gamemanship or understanding the game and the game flow and everything. So I'm with you. It's like before he's like, oh, he's a fine player. He's a nice player. Nice role player. So I'm going to give him a nice and free agency. He can be a nice like number two for you. You know, can do some blitz stuff. Uh, but no, but this year it was just like, oh, no. He was my second team all pro. I mean, and I think he deserved it. Steven Reeves just walked by. He's the happiest man in the building right now because he gets to keep covering in the NFL. He's, so he, he's having a really good day. He really is. Let's get let's get to the Niners. All right. So this yep. is a team that was set up to win this game. Was yep. built to win this game. Yep. They felt like one of the best teams in the league all year. They were favored coming into this game even against a Chiefs team that looked so much better in the playoffs and I think that made sense. Mm-hmm. When you look at the body of work that they had put together and what type of team we were talking about, this always felt like a team that it was Super Bowl or bust. Absolutely. And it busted. Yeah. It's again almost to no fault of their own in some regard because of the team that they played mm-hmm. against. And I think that was the conversation we had against Kyle Shanahan coming into this game. It was he probably has more riding on this in the way that we talk about him than anyone else in the game. If he wins it, he enters rarefied air and yes. it's just a different class of coaches. Yes. If he loses it, that conversation changes. But sometimes over the last twenty years, we've seen these teams come along that just run into the wrong quarterback at the wrong time. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So now you have this Niners team that was truly put together to do it this year. All those stars, all those stars on huge contracts, and they fall short. And I think now the answer, the question is, what comes next? Like, what does the fallout look like? I know. And then now we've got Purdy talk starting soon. And we got we got a lot of questions to start answering. And kind of felt like, like you said, it kind of felt like that going in. But of course, the questions that I see right before we started the show on Twitter is, why isn't why do you throw the ball so much again? And I was like, oh, we're doing we're, Here we are again. Shane and Hampshire, close losses. Why aren't you? Why did you throw the ball so much? I'll figure it out in all 22. I don't want to give a definitive statement or anything like that. But, but also, the run game wasn't mowing people it down. Wasn't. They averaged three yards to carry with the running backs. And, and they had explosive plays if they go three went to the right spot uh but it was that i just it's that's what's gonna linger just yeah. like the 28-3 game that's gonna linger why'd you throw it on that one play that's what people are gonna remember fair or unfair that's how it goes but i mean this this offense was freaking phenomenal it was legit every stat we look at that robert and i look look at looked on true media top 12 in every metric it's since 2000 there this is an elite elite top one percent offense here you're gonna see and it's defense plays extremely well for how they've looked recently and this happens. And you still get and you get some luck. Like, you're just a little luck. Yes, you had the turnovers, too, the fumble and everything. But, you know, you hang in there. Your pass rush is getting there. And you still end up short. It's just, like you said, it's just not fair. It just isn't because you're going against that other quarterback and that other team that has answers and figures out answers. The only game management question I think you'd have about Shanahan is they did not call timeout at the end of the half. They let all that time tick down while the yeah. Chiefs were driving. Could they have used their timeouts, potentially stole possession back, knowing the Chiefs were going to get the ball after the right. half? But other than that... I don't think this is a oh man another Kyle Shanahan you know, game management game management it. mess when we get into the biggest moments. Even the overtime uh, taking the ball one, I think that's a coin flip decision. It's, that comes the, down I to I it. Think by I most people that have studied this, it yeah, is kind of a 50-50 proposition. My, it feels like a preference. My, I'll just give my uh, my answer to it. I look at it as more like college overtime, where you want to see what you need to get and go second. I think it but, makes sense. But seeing smarter people discuss it, and I understand. And you bringing up the third possession stuff that uh, that Shanahan said, I understand that argument as well. But yeah, you know, that's interesting. It was fun. It was a fun example yeah. we got to see live because it was another example. And even us, we're going like, wait, time's not going to run out. Right? <laughs> we, we just had like because of two monster. Well, drives. we've never I seen mean, it before. I know. So right? I, it was it, they the get moment, to finish the drive right when the clock was ticking down. We were 
rescue each other. Like, wait, what happens? What happens if the clock runs out? The the game just would have kept going. You get to finish your initial possession. Yeah, the rule is if you don't finish the second possession, it just goes to a second overtime. So the idea that we almost saw a double overtime Super Bowl is insane. I know. I was was actually kind of excited for it. I kind of wanted it to happen a little bit, then they scored. It was like they had that flair for the dramatic, too, because it was like the (laughs) clock's ticking down. It's like they can't help themselves but do it. Oh, even that touchdown was almost a callback to last year's Super Bowl. Doing a little motion yeah. in the red zone, messing with the motion rules for the defense and catching them. And they got him. Even Kelsey knew it was automatic. His route on it. He just took two steps and looked at the Jumbotron because he knew it was automatic. <laughs> he was like, and he, touchdown. That's it. Hey, they score it right. Like, yeah, but it's, yeah. Again, there was another callback. And again, Andy Reid's really good at this. He can find answers when he wants to. How do you feel Purdy played? He didn't really do much to me. I thought yeah. some of his creation moments, like the one to use check, uh, those the, the scramble yeah. and then the play to use check on that drive yeah. were his, his two biggest plays of the game. His and then the little placement. dump off on the third down. There was a big blitz. Yeah. And he found CMC in the yes. flat. Yes. On that that, same that one drive. on the catch and run. Yeah. Yes. And then he had a boot to Kittle, one of Kittle, Kittle's few catches where pressure came right out on the boot. Another thing that Chiefs did well, played the boots really well. Yep. Um, but came right at him and he kind of adjusted the throw. It was a short game, but it was from our angle. I was like, I think I even said it out loud. I was, oh, that was a hell of a throw. And it was like, because he threw it sidearm around the guy. So a couple moments out of structure, I thought it was best ones. That again, that one to use check, he really he broke off Carl Loftus on it, I think, on it. He made Chris Jones miss a couple times. So those were his best plays. But I thought throwing wise, you know, a lot of tight windows, and I thought he kind of a couple that he missed. That was it. One of the things that has crept up over the playoffs to me is his stature in the pocket is it, it was a thing. Yeah, over the course yeah. of the playoffs, we were we were saying it all game. You kept harping on it. The pocket's getting real tight. Real tight. The pocket's getting real tight. When teams have pushed the pocket against him, I think the Niner or the Packers game is a very good example. Yeah. They had all those five zero fronts that they were using when they were closing in on him. He just doesn't. He's not a creative thrower. Yeah. He's not going to be able to back up in the pocket. He's not going to be able to create things as that space gets condensed. And I think we saw that a lot again right. in this game. Right. And I think that getting it over, this is where the height stuff comes too. is yeah. everyone thinks, oh, you're just throwing over the middle or throwing. Or you can't see past the guys. So when it gets tight, it's giving yourself room for error. Yeah. If I naturally have longer arms, I'm going to be able to work around a body like this. And that's where height and kind of size stuff. Do I get pushed off the thing? I actually think he's pretty sturdy. Like I will give that. He's, you know, he's yeah, a built guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he, seeing him in person, he is a good athlete. I'm going to give him more credit than I did he before. He is a good athlete. I, he is. Seeing him in person, seeing him getting some corners and stuff like that, that, that was it was impressive to see him in person. But again, like you said, when you get the interior pressure stuff and that, again, you feel it, especially for a team that wants to attack over the middle, that's hard. Yeah. I have a body here yep. and I have to throw right in front of me, but there's something here, here, and here. So that means I have to throw sidearm to throw in front of me. That's just, And if you're again, not backing up in the pocket yes. and buying yourself space, that's going to be difficult to do, and that's just not his game. And it's because they're taught. They're, that, watch Jimmy G. Watch anyone play in this offense, these types of offenses. You stand here, you deliver here. Because it's about timing. They, it's all so about it, timing. It, it, when that's you it. have some of these other offenses where there is a little bit of – I've said it a million times. This is the phrase I keep coming back to. Pocket, it's uh, pocket play playmaking. Making. Yes. Pocket playmaking. It's not about creation outside of the pocket. He can do that. Yes. We've seen him do yes. that. It's honestly one of his best selling points. Mm-hmm. But he's one of those guys where the pocket playmaking is just there's left, something left to be right. desired because he's not overly skilled. Right. He's, though he was Mr. Irrelevant. Like even if he's outpaced that in a lot of ways, at the end of the day, he's not an overly physically talented quarterback. So when you put him in these situations, I think these are the results that you see. And this is, too, is they were getting forced to drop back more and not just because of like game script or anything like that, but just the defenses that Spags were playing. They were going to make him throw the ball more and more and more. And this is where you could see some of the limitations, the ceiling of when you don't 
you don't have that menu that where you can just keep dropping back. You can keep adjusting your protection and get into the right call. We can check from this drop back to this drop back. The Shanahan offense is more going to be the designery plays that are the perfect look against the perfect thing as opposed to letting a player kind of point and find the right direction. Um, it felt like a lot tonight, especially when you're going to Spags, a Todd Bowles type defense, any of those types of defenses, they can, again, take away what you want to do. All right, do this one thing over and over. You can get it once, twice, three times. Do it a dozen times. One quarterback out there can, and that's where you can see some limitations sometimes with Purdy's game in this offense right now. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking at the Niners' construction for next year, right now they're slated to be about $3.7 million over the cap. Okay. Trent Williams, $31.5 million. Debo Samuel, $28.6 million. Eric Armstead, $28.3 million. Fred Warner, $24.5 million. George Kittle, $21.2 million. Yeah. They got a lot of expensive pieces. Yeah, they, they can offset that because their quarterback makes a million dollars. But somewhere, they're going to have to move some money around because yep. this is a team with holes. I mean, they have a couple guys hitting free agency, a lot of depth pieces, Jawan Jennings. Yep. So I'm wondering, how do they move some money around and how aggressive can they be in trying to fill some of those holes? They're getting draft capital back this year, so they're going to be on a better playing field than yep. they've been to restock the roster. They're not going to have to use third-round picks on kickers because they only have third-round picks. So most of this team is still coming back, but it still feels like this might have been their best shot, and they're going to have to do it as a slightly diminished version of themselves if they're going to do it. It's just it's just impossible to put together always perfectly. Like, you – we. The Chiefs ended up winning and everything, but that offense felt like a slog the whole year. This year, this 49ers offense, even in the losses, even in the quote-unquote bad Purdy games, which are the exact same games, they were chugging on people, marching on people. And the defense had flaws, but they they were more than good enough. There was an above-average defense. They're sometimes very good at this uh, throughout this year. But, yeah, like this is where the losses come. This is where can you find another Jennings? Can you find another all these types of role players that do so much in this offense that are kind of hand-selected? Like you said, they have more draft capital. Their 49ers are impossible to predict in preseason. This is the same team that went out and signed Hargrave. 
last season. Well, that's what I mean. They, they're all, impossible to they predict what so they're going to do. They're going to trade. They're going to sign They're going to find gonna some yep. creative way yep. to make so. sure let's keep pushing and keep yes. pushing. And I actually think that's a smart way to do it. They when know the like window this. is now, and they know that this core of pieces is going to come back. Ayuk, we'll see what happens when they have to decide to yeah. pay him, but he's back on the roster next yeah. year. There's so many guys that those decisions, we, they can keep pushing them off. Right. This Niners team, as we understand it, this offense, as we understand it, is coming back next year. They can pick a guard in the whatever round, right. you know? So I do think that they will be back, but when you get this close with this sort of team, with an offense that looks the way that it did when it was firing on all cylinders, it's still hard not to look at this season as a missed opportunity. Absolutely. Oh, man. I, I, I think... Remember they they lost to the Ravens and we were like you know the Washington game happened and it was like okay and then we the bye week happened in the playoffs right we took a deep breath and looked at this team and I was like yeah it seems good huh and when we entered the playoffs I was like the 49ers are actually way up there guys we kind of forgot for a split second that this team's way up but that's and then the playoffs had kind of some up and down moments the first half against the Lions for early against the Packers and so I don't want to take away what the season actually was this was yes it ended it ended in a disappointment but the rest of this year year was a resounding success at yep. least to my eyes in I my agree. eyes this was again the vision of shanahan's offense this is what he wants and you can see a lot so again it'll be interesting to see what this next step is and what they feel they need to upgrade what they feel the need to find a new piece or find a new addition and you can say all those wonderful things about the niners and acknowledge how good they were how good this offense yeah. is and how good this offense will probably continue to be but at the end of the day yeah. it comes down to the fact that they are now playing in an era where the guy on the other side exists. Yes. And if you're going to be in these games in the biggest moments and it's going to be close, it's hard not to see him on the other side and just expect the outcome that we eventually landed on. Yeah. And I know that's not nuanced or interesting no, no. analysis, but this is how it has now been for the last 20 years in the NFL. There was one team in New England that mm -hmm. did it, and now there's a team in Kansas City that's done it, already done it more consistently, which is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. But this is now the set of operations yeah. and what the umbrella that's going to be hanging over the league for the next five, seven, ten years because he exists. It's I just, just that simple. I just real I think we all thought we we're gonna get a deep breath from another dynasty and everything. No. And it's just no, let's just get right back into it. I think we all have to give one every generation. But that, that at least they're in the NFC. And that's another thing. And they took advantage of a down year this year. Not took advantage, but they you know they were the class of the NFC in a down NFC year, that's going to get a little harder, but at least they're not in the AFC, which is just yeah. quarterback legend centric. We'll see what happens in the right. AFC. And then the Niners, so the Rams were not supposed pick. to be good this year, right? Yes. The, the Rams are not Stafford. supposed to be good. The Rams spent less on their roster and cash than any team in the league. No, this is great. Actually, and the Rams are a, were a playoff team yep. and dangerous. The Lions, theoretically, they should keep building. Right. They have financial flexibility. They have a young, young roster. The Packers, a team that gave them all they could stand in the playoffs, yep. they were, I think, 31st or 30th. In cash spending in the NFL this year, yep. they were another reset team have all, that, in theory, should be even Jets better moving rounder. forward. Yes. So it's this was probably the worst year you were going to see in the NFC. Yep. The Cowboys fell off in the biggest yep. moments. The Eagles, the Eagles fell up. off down the stretch. So even if the NFC isn't the AFC, I could see a world where the NFC gets that's, even better moving forward, and that path becomes more difficult. That's what I was getting at. Especially all the quarterbacks that might be entering the NFC, you might have one, two go NFC, NFC. You know, Kelvin Drake May or Daniels. Apparently, that's a thing now. But uh, but also you got Vikings. Does Kirk come back there? They can just totally revamp the Vikings' offense. Was legit one of the best while Kirk was healthy and Justin Jefferson, who knows what's going on in the NFC South. But the other three <laughs> divisions, though, I mean, but really, what what do you say right there? Four, four. Four teams I feel better about at this point about this next year in the FC that I did maybe last year. Yeah. So that again, naturally, it's just going to make it a slog. It's going to make it much much harder. I truly can't believe that as we wrap this season up, 
and we saw what the Chiefs were for stretches of this year that we're sitting here okay. with their logo on the board again. with that Chiefs color confetti on the field. BC it, boys playing after the game again. It, it was yeah. so hard to picture this and maybe it shouldn't have been. And maybe we all learned a very important lesson this year about what this team is and when it really matters, when we should start paying attention yep. and start making definitive statements and forming definitive opinions about the Chiefs, maybe post Christmas. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, or we had our little, like, I would say a 30 second, like, debate segment. And I was like, oh, I'm picking the Chiefs. You pick the Ravens. And I like 10 seconds. I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel better about the Ravens, mm-hmm. too, even though I was arguing with the Chiefs because they'll figure it out, right? They'll figure it out. And in the regular season, they lose to the Raiders. I'm like, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And they freaking. Still haven't figured it out. They still had sloppy moments for two won. and a half quarters. They still, they still won, won. The, they still won the Super Bowl. <laughs> they didn't win a big game on Monday night, a big game on Thursday night, just a divisional round game, just a divisional round game. The Super Bowl against the class of the NFC. Just it must be very frustrating for other teams and everything and fans of other teams. But to watch it, at least a, a neutral fan perspective like mine, it's really cool to watch greatness and watch these guys just step up in these moments and do it. It's so amazing. Consistent. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. And, it's and your eyes can glaze over. And I, I tend to be guilty of that where as a team just has this in like unrelenting greatness over yeah. time it's hard to find new things to say about them it's hard to find new ways to analyze them thank you spags this year for thank you spags thank you but that in reality though all of these great teams that sustain it there are little differences yeah. there are little yeah. nuances every yes. single year for the chiefs this year it was the defense and but even with mahomes it was the way he's seeing the game yeah. him checking into that mckinnon play on that third down against that yeah. cover zero look his just grasp of everything that's going on. There's always going to be something new to appreciate a team like this as they go on this sort of ride. And this is a year where I think they stacked up even more than we could have anticipated. Yeah, that's the lights went off. Right? And the lights go off. Look at that timing. The light, lights going off is uh, our, our sign that it's time to get out of here. That's the stand-up comedy, the lights. The lights flashing at us. Okay, you got to wrap it up. No, there's, it, no, it's greatness is very, very fun to watch in person. I'm just telling you guys right now. A fantastic season. Uh, Guys, thank you to everyone who watched all year. Thank you to everyone who supported us. Uh, I can't tell you. I'm sitting there before the game. I'm like getting emotional talking about this. I'm sitting there before the game. This is my ninth Super Bowl. And just being able to be here and the fact that we wouldn't be able to do this without all of you supporting us. We The idea that we've been able to form this little community of people who really love the show and people who support the show, I know that this isn't a guarantee. I know that we don't deserve this necessarily. So I feel grateful every single time we get to have one of these moments because I know that it didn't have to be like this. And that means a ton to me. I know it means a lot to you. So thank you to every single person who listened to the show this year. Thank you to every single person who contributed to the show this year. Zach Kiefer was sitting next to me during the Super Bowl. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate his time, Sando and Randy for everything that they've done what Dane has done on prospects to pros. We are so lucky to work with the people He's that we do. Like. He's over here. Ken Garrison is here producing <laughs> our Alex. show. Alex Sample here. Beller, who's Bell at home, home. And has done an unbelievable job. Tanika, who helped produce a couple of the other shows on the feed. Marissa uh, coming in relief. Mar- Marissa's coming back now. <laughs> we have a phenomenal team and we have a phenomenal you, group everyone. of people who love the show and support it. So thank you very, very much. And we're not going anywhere. We'll have a couple more shows this week, but the Super Bowl always feels like, you know, you're putting an exclamation point or a period on the end of the sentence. And uh, I thought the sentence played out pretty well this year. I agree. I, and also thank you everyone. Every single person that came up and said, hi. Yeah. Means so much, guys. Like you have no idea. Sometimes going to the bathroom, and you know, just you know, give me a second, <laughs> give me a second. But I will say, you guys, it's so cool just to hear your comments. Like just 
just what you guys what what you guys pick up what you guys think is interesting it's interesting to me i i love it i love hearing from you guys can't thank you enough thank everybody that helps us out with the show thank robert because he's the best and this was great thank you guys for another year this was truly truly fun thank you so much we'll be back with some more stuff this week but for now that is all we have from allegiant stadium and super bowl 58 appreciate you guys listening we'll talk to you soon this was the athletic football show